0: Welcome to the Space Between Podcasts. I am your co-host Jossie Cunningham here with the legendary Steve Machat, and uh, and Joy Tolo, my co-host. Yo, Satnam. Um, <laughs> first and foremost, uh, Steve. Um, you know, I, I, I mean, I could go on and on about so many things about Steve. For one thing. Uh, his outfits are always very luxurious. <laughs> um, He's got great shoes. has got yep. great shoes on right now. Always um, always dressed in some type of style, some type of something. Uh, first question is, Steve, how did you meet Joey? Um, what brought you here right now? What got you into the seat?
1: I met Joey at this man's living class with a woman named Tej. And he was there, I was there, and we were discussing um, a band band called White Snow, and he had told me he had just done a video with the band. White Sun. White Sun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. right? <laughs> <laughs> White Sun, White snow. snow. is a different life, right? <laughs> <laughs> that was the other
2: group we talked about.
1: Anyway, White Sun. Yeah, that's so tough. we started talking, and I like Joey. Yeah. I love the energy. I like yours, too.
0: Oh, man, appreciate you, Steve. Uh, no, no,
1: no, you're alive. Thank you. Other people, is, you
2: know, they're like zombies. So let me ask you this, how many years, because I've only been studying kundalini for about two and a half years, since I went through this awakening, and I know you've been going to TAGE probably, what, 15 years?
1: No, 12. 12. 12. 2007.
2: That's a long, that's a good run. Yeah. What
1: what brought you to TAGE? Absolutely. (laughs) I uh, was in LA. I've lived all over the place, so Mm -hmm. the cross of my life is LA, London, New York, and Miami. And with different dots in between. So I was in New York at that stage, and I came out to L.A., Mm. and I called my then-girlfriend. We were breaking up. I said, okay. She she got me involved in yoga. She told me I needed to do yoga. I go, why? So she told me that I needed to do it. And she got me to start doing it. I'm like, you know something? I like this. Because I didn't like the new age. I didn't like what these people did to it. They took ancient learnings that teach you how to keep your body alive, and they made it a game like, this is a new age? No, it's mm-hmm. not, and they started marketing it. You know, it's, They made it elevator music, and I didn't like that. And you know, it's, I guess you'll get some out of me, so I'll just introduce it. I've made music of all different genres, and one of the worst things I did was new age music, because it's like, you might as well cut your wrist. It's like, <laughs> what, are you, what are you giving these people? <laughs> You know, you cut your wrist, I'm I'm selling you new age music, I'll cut the wrist, these people selling you this crap, end up eating your blood, and you walk around like a zombie. You know, you end up on Xanax and whatever else it is, it's wrong. That's true. So yoga, basically, you know, I'm 66 now, and I don't feel it, but I've been an athlete my whole life. Not like you, but I've been an athlete, and I play ball, I still play ball, and um it was good it it limbered up my muscles and everything so anyway i was out here and going back to your question so it was march and i was having trouble with my then kids Hmm. and my ex-wife and which is another nightmare but whatever so i called up this woman named jody i said okay jody where do i go to yoga here and she goes you might as well just go do kundalini and i go a what's kundalini and why might as well just do it she goes steven you're out there they will send you even further and maybe it's what you need to do Hmm. So she got me to go meet Golden Bridge. It was called then, and I ended up with a uh, Gamuth, and Gamuth was like, "Hey, there was just I mean, she's a nice woman, but she looked like she was into mammon." And there's two parts of life. There's mammon. What's mammon? It's the worshiping of possessions. or well, you worship love. Possessions and love are two things. You may love your possessions more than you do humans. In You know, I've lived every type of lifestyle. I've never put possessions in front of people. I can't. I'm educated to do what these people do. That's how our country runs. Mm -hmm. Like when it's 2001, we get whacked with 9-11, and our then president, who I knew, gets on TV and says, we have to show the world that we're not intimidated by them. You need to go out and spend. And I'm like, what is he telling people? You know, keep keep our economy going. What, putting people in debt? Are you kidding me? So anyway, Gamuth struck me as that school. And then anyway, I, I started liking Kundalini. So I'm living in New York and I started um, doing Kundalini every day. I'm obsessive. <laughs> so I was running, I, I ran a lot and I would do the Kundalini and it was good. It was a good bridge. And I came out to LA and I didn't want to do Gamuth. So they said, well, why don't you take her class? So I said, who's her? And then she was walking by me and I'm like, okay. So I ended up in her class, and I liked her. And I, you know, she's funny. She's tough. Yeah, yeah. But she's Very funny tough. too. I mean, yeah. she gives you great anecdotes, and it's like, she's funny. She's got a sense of humor, and she's aware. You know, maybe on a clear night, she and I are sitting in some cosmetic regime, <laughs> whatever, just floating in space, <laughs> you know, outside our bodies. But I love her. I love her class, and she's the best. I've done it all over the world now. She's the best that I've had. She's special. And she gives this man the credit.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, she she channels him. No, she does more that. Yeah. Yeah. She's on point,
0: <laughs> very on point. Yeah, um, sure. and just I mean, when I hear you speak about um, politics, uh, when I hear you talk about these things, um, having read some of your books actually, which are all <laughs> very interesting exposés into your whole life and your whole story, um, how did you get into politics? Like, what, what I, made I, I you know, run? Like, what like what made you run for office? But besides
2: or, that, hold on, just as Going for Senate and then also being somebody that's designed the way you are. What made you think from a spiritual perspective what you could do politically for what was happening in the world at the time? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's my new book, Spiritual Insomnia. My whole life I've been in politics, but they don't teach you the truth. And who's they? You live in a system of order and control. And this system of order and control is they tell you to shut up and next time you could sit with God. Mm-hmm. It's like, what are you telling me? One time I did an interview on BBC Radio and they said, ha, what's it like being here on Jesus Christ's birthday? And I said on BBC Radio 1, I said, which one? <laughs> they go, and I'm like, they go, that's really funny. What do you mean, which one? I said, I'm being serious. It's two different energies. They go, what? I said, Jesus comes from the world of love. Christ comes from a ruling order. Mm. where this is your order, and if you misbehave, you'll end up on the cross like Jesus. You know, it's like, are you kidding me? (laughs) He's put on that cross. He died for your sins. No, the way the logic really is, is he died so you don't commit the sin that Jesus was trying to teach you. Love one another as equals. Do not love one another because they're giving you their blood. You are not their zombies. You are an equal person. You have every right to pursue happiness. So you answering your question specifically, I grew up believing in the Declaration of Independence. And then as my life kept going on, it's like, hey, wait a minute. The Constitution is not the Declaration of Independence. Mm-hmm. It says life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This thing written 13 years later, which is not the greatest document, said life, liberty, and the protection of property. And as I started growing older and getting whatever wisdom I may have had at some different stage in another life, I'm like, whose property? Private property? Whose property? God's property? Or the property that this ruling order now says is ours and not yours? Mm -hmm. And I look at it, and when I was running, I'm like, purpose of a government, you know, people go to me, politics, politics is the way of life, that's what it means. You know, and they tell you you can't discuss politics. Why not? Maybe if I share information, we could all wake up and learn the information. The Catholic Church, I believe, is the worst of them all. They sat there and they created the concept of conspiracy. If they saw three people out in the road talking to each other, that was a conspiracy. One, two, think one thing, the third will always disagree or open up a, con- like the three of us. This is smart, you know? You've got the, um, the, the belt of Orion, here it is, right? The pyramids are built in the same proportion as the pier- of the belt of Orion. Three people, st- one will always question. You're not going to have three people go like this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it's not going to happen unless that person's taking away your ability because I'm going to see something you can't see. I don't know what he's doing behind me, and Joey doesn't know what's happening on that air conditioner behind him. Hmm. And you've got the curtain closed, so I don't know what's happening behind you, but I can see it's closed. You can't. Right. So. You need to share information, and that's what I'm all about. And it's like health, welfare, and safety. That's what a government should do. So when I was running for office, we don't have the rights to have health care. A government has the duty to give us health care. A government has the duty to make sure its people are fed. A government has a duty to make sure we're safe. Not rights. When I was a boy, and then I'll let you ask the next question. (laughs) (laughs) But when I was younger, and it was 1974, and Roe v. Wade was one years old, right? So we're all sitting there in our freshman year of law school. And, you know, they wanted to know who was for Roe v. Wade and who was against Roe v. Wade. And this is at Vanderbilt, right? And Al Gore was one of my classmates. So they said, everyone that's for it, raise your right hand. No, everyone that's for it, raise your left hand, right? The left. So for it, everyone that's against it, raise your right hand and i'm just sitting there like and he looks at me and he thought i wasn't paying attention he was one of my favorite teachers that ended up called professor hall and um he looks at me he goes they used to call me miami and they because i was living in miami (laughs) before tennessee and he goes miami are you not answering me i said no i am you told me if i'm for it if i'm against it and he said and you I said, you taught me something the other day. He goes, what did I teach you? I said, you taught me that a court gets its jurisdiction from the government. He goes, yes. And to have a case go before that, the court has to have the ability to tell you that they, have the, they can make a decision. Because the government gives the court the power. Mm-hmm. And he looks at me like you're doing, yeah. I said, who gave the government the right to tell people what they can and can't do with their body? That should have been thrown out of court. So he says, so you... You're on the left. I said, no, and he said to me, why? I said, but if, if they could tell me I could have an abortion, well, first off, we'll make more money than anyone, but besides that, because how can a man have an abortion? But, but number two, if they're telling you That's you can have it. That's
2: a That's a great point. Yeah, I just want to clear that up.
1: <laughs> so if they're telling you that you could have an abortion, they could also tell you you can't. Mm-hmm. Right. Don't give them the power. And mm. if nine people are gonna decide, you just gave them power that they have no right to have. Mm.
2: Right. So when right. You, let me ask Next you this, So when <laughs> Next you, thing. you ran against Marco Rubio, right? Yeah, yeah. Do you feel that at the time you did this this, this, this big idea, did they take
1: you seriously? They got scared. Yeah? They got scared because, you know, something. No, I will get scared, too. Yeah, I mean, people this age, they listen to me because I'm not an old whatever. Right. I still, I'm young. Yeah, yeah, young. You know, my mother yeah. taught me one thing. She used to make me listen to one song. It was by Frank Sinatra. She said, Stephen, if you could do this... You will never age. And the song was called Young at Heart. You should listen to it.
2: Have you met Frank Sinatra? Yeah.
1: (laughs) You did? What was that like? I didn't want to meet him. For what reason? Just because he was my my father and mother idolized him. And dad was trying to manipulate it where dad could be his lawyer. And dad represented Nancy Sinatra. He represented Jimmy Bowen, who produced them. And he represented a person named Lee Hazelwood, who produced them. So dad, because I don't shut up, and dad knew the game. (laughs) <laughs> with me, or he made the game with me, put Steven in the room, he'll start talking to everybody, and something will come out, and then we will be able to capitalize on it. So he says to me, come, I'm going to bring you to Frank Sinatra. And I'm like, I don't want to do this. Same way, I went up there, and I understood charisma. Because when I met him, it's in chapter one of my book, God's Gangsters and Honor. Amazing book, mm-hmm. by the way. And when I met him, I'm like, I like him. You know, he's like... I really liked him, and I started talking to him, you know, and he's, he's, in the book, I tell you, he's the guy that got me to the University of Miami. Really? Yeah, he told me I couldn't go to school at USC, because I wanted to study accounting, I studied law, I wanted to learn the the skeletons of why you give these other people the rights to destroy you. Mm-hmm. You know, who makes up the rules of accounting? Who makes this up? It's like, Why do we have income tax? But that's another thing, so I'm gonna answer the Frank Sinatra story, bring me back in. So anyway, he says to me, you can't go to USC. I go, why can't I go to USC? He said, "Stephen, out in LA, and he says, Marty, Marty's my father, he goes, Marty, correct me if I'm wrong. He says, in LA, the girls need to be taken care of or they're there to use you so you can make them stars. He says, you're way too young. And then he looks at me and he says to me, you need to go to school right here at the University of Miami. He said, you'll get all the girls. And then he winks at me and he tells me, you may even get their mothers too. And when he said that to me, I'm like, I like this guy. Of course <laughs> I you <like> did. <laughs> this yeah, guy. I, love, I love this I guy. I loved <laughs> him.
2: On that, on that note, uh, I want to ask you one more thing. So when you used to come down the steps from your house and you would have pretty much anyone in your house at any time that any of us would probably freak out on, what was it like having dinner at your house, the type of people that were over
1: we didn't have dinner at the house, but with my mom and dad, what they did when I was growing up, until they started breaking up, they would play poker. Mm. Um, all right? So when I was a boy, and I kid you not, Aretha Franklin would come over with a guy named Clyde Otis, and I would sit down, because I, again, I talk, and they would teach me how to play poker. They. You know, Aretha Franklin, I'm I'm sitting there. (laughs) And I I just didn't look at it like the way other people did. You know, I was sitting there with Clyde Otis. And it's, you know, Clyde Otis was, he was from Mississippi. His father was a sharecropper. Mm -hmm. And my dad represented Clyde Otis. And he got Clyde Otis basically royalties for the first time ever. He made the record company pay him royalties. And Clyde Otis produced Brooke Benton. He produced Dinah Washington. And I love that guy. They used to take me to football games, you know, and I became a giant fan. I would go to the football games with them. And I I got to meet all these football players like Y.A. Tittle, Kyle Rote. I'm I'm looking at it now, Roosevelt Greer. I was
2: a huge boxing fan. One of the other things, I think, didn't your dad represent Sugar Ray Robinson?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Sugar Ray Robinson. Oh my God, come on. He would come to our house and he, he would go exercise. We lived in Roslyn, which by the way is a Masonic word. It means floating stone. (laughs) (laughs) And <laughs> and <laughs> I was going to ask you, you about you. that I was just I about was to say, say that What's yeah. Rosalind mean? Yeah. But anyway <laughs> He would come there And it had the hills Right? It could go up and down So he would run And he would get me on a bike And I would go trail him And we would sit there talking And he taught me one thing He taught me to be vain He taught me to take care of my body huh. I did it Sugar Ray Robinson Yeah, yeah Sugar Ray He used to drive me around I would go with him in this pink Cadillac A couple of times not to, Not all the time But It's funny, one time I met a man named uh, Lou Cinder. You know, in Lou Cinder, this was 1966, and I met Kareem Abdul-Jabbar many years later, and I told him I met him once before. And he looked at me, and I don't know if he meant it, because someone may have told it to him earlier, said I remember you I go how do you remember me he said he said how many white boys are in Harlem in a pink Cadillac being driven by Sugar Ray Robinson right yeah and Kareem and I you know at a couple of dinners we did have I mean he's a bright man and he loves history so we would eat in the steakhouse on um I guess it's called Magistry or whatever where yeah. it's on uh Cannon in Beverly Hills I don't remember the name but we would <coughs> sit upstairs we would, they would close the restaurant. We would get into these deep historical discussions. Like I would love him to read spiritual insomnia.
2: I think that the things and how you get people to talk, the, the, I, just because of the people you're around as a kid, I know that there was a conversation I think that you had in prison uh, with uh, Suge Knight. But how <laughs> do you get yourself into these, these containers to where you have someone like Suge Knight across the table from you or some of these other people you're talking to and get them to communicate the way they do. Because I've been in communication or talks with you with people like that, and you, it's just a flow. Yeah. Like, completely.
1: you know I'm telling you the truth. Right. Mm. You know, and it's, we're in the light. What is light? The light has no dark. The light is just a ray. And if you go in the ray without any hiccups, then you're going to get hiccups because air currents come. Mm-hmm. But if you're in the flow, it doesn't stop. You know, I, I, I producing shows and watching people perform you want them in a flow. That's what you want them to do. Just go. Don't think about it. Do it. You know, it's, it's love. No, love is it's, a flow.
0: And it's even, it spills over even to athletes as well. You know, like everything that we do as humans that is of uh, success, I would say, um, it takes flow. You know, like when you see people who are successful in business or in sports or just in life, period, um, they follow this kind of idea of having a flow state that they follow Just go. Into and you just go with it. You can, that's momentum mm-hmm.
2: do you feel spiritually that when you i'm not, i, I never really spoke to you about having an awakening or if you actually knew that you had an awakening or were you you were conscious since you were a kid right
1: were you big time
2: yeah see for me i just it happened a couple of years ago when i had these conversations that's i'm not gonna say fascinating scary as fuck because yeah, how you do you pat? as a kid how do you like for deal you, with could you Hearing. imagine what people thought?
1: No. <laughs> look at this fucking kid, huh? Like, <laughs> no shit that you say and see. Yeah, no, you, they probably. I would call you out on it. I'm like, what are you doing? And then I would tell them what they're thinking. And they'd look at me like, where did that come from?
0: That's my same we, problem.
1: You know, they ended slavery after the Civil War, but they don't teach you part two. When they ended slavery, they created the new slave. It's called mm. intra slavery. Abraham Lincoln was killed. And it was a conspiracy, and they don't teach you that either because, no, James Booth killed him by himself. Excuse me. He just walked in, bam. Yeah, he ended up at Mudd's Farm. And what they were doing was they wanted to make sure that the properties, when they started rebuilding America, because that's what you do after you kill each other, you rebuild, they wanted to make sure the properties were not part of the United States government, which is what Lincoln was going to do. He was going to finance the rebuilding of the South on the United States Treasury. And the bankers came in, and they started buying up these properties, lending people money, because regardless who won or lost, everyone lost, you took life for what, you know? And what happened was they couldn't afford to pay it back, and those were called the carpetbaggers. The name's there. And Lincoln was killed because he wasn't going to let the bankers do this. Do you— our, f- go, ahead, go ahead, Yeah. Our whole country was founded, or we would not be with kingdom or pope. Well, excuse me. We have the king's banking system, and we elect our president the same way they elect the papacy right. on the cardinals. <laughs> the vote of the cardinals—that's where the electoral college came from.
2: Do you it's- feel? Do you feel that the cryptocurrency, the trend, will collapse the Federal Reserve?
1: No, because what will happen is it will join the Federal Reserve. The whole key is you need networks. Okay, so crypto works until someone makes a central government out of it and it becomes a pyramid, Mm -hmm. they pull it up. The Federal Reserve is 13 banking families. Look up Federal Reserve cartel. It is gangsterism beyond belief. These people (laughs) sit and take 30% of our currency and they make sure they get paid because they're the distributors. So when you pay your IRS bill, it goes straight to the Federal Reserve, they get 6% or whatever it is for the sale of the bonds, we give them the bonds, and they, and they sell it. Then they discount it from 100 to ten uh, to 90%, so they get the VIG between what they sell it to. And then the other thing is they get all costs and expenses. What a great management deal. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but we don't need people to manage our... That's like playing Monopoly. They need to go bye-bye.
2: Well, I think that's the way they've been running it, and I think that when people like yourself come in and start to disrupt the way things are... That confuses them, and then they just want that person out. So yeah. what they'll try to do is say, he sounds crazy. Or, He's crazy. He's crazy. Yeah, exactly. I, that's yeah, it, that's yeah. what I'm getting at. And Spiritually, when you start speaking the way we, we communicate, because it does open different doors in your mind and the mm-hmm. way you feel, because you start speaking from the heart, which changes, because you're not overthinking things. And I really don't think that when you're speaking from the heart, there's any wrong or right answer. It's just from the heart. When you're overthinking that, that's when things become a problem. And I feel that... You coming at it, you coming at it from, with the heart, they didn't know where to go with it.
1: They didn't have a clue. No. <laughs> <laughs> they just couldn't. Be, I mean, I got into it with Marco Rubio one day, and after I did it, I'm like, I'm gone. He will never debate me again. But this guy, it's on tape, you could see it. Afterwards, it was in Lakeland, I guess, Lakeland, Florida, it's, what he does is he comes up to me and he goes, you know, when the election's over, I would like to sit down with you. And I go, I would be honored. He says, No, you're one of the most interesting characters I've ever met. And I'm like, I,
2: I thanked him. He seems like one of those cats that's like, of the people. Does so, it kind of? Or no?
1: Is no, that no, 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 no. He's about to say, he's about all to tell is, us. He's <laughs> Cuban, yeah? Is he Cuban? He's, he's lucky he was Cuban because by being part of the regime that left Cuba to come here, he got all the benefits that no, one, no other immigrants get. The United States went nuts. And this is one of my biggest pet peeves. How dare we do this to Cuba? Who cares? You go to Cuba. I've been there a lot, right? Right. They have health care for everyone. They have no Monsanto food. It works. Mm-hmm. They have no work. They don't worship possessions because they don't have them. They make do. They root for each other. They share with each other. And, yeah, they go without. But at what, what expense do you get? Batista, who was thrown out, was one of the worst... Criminals ever the way he stole and the United States Corporations not the United States people put him in power because he he basically helped them steal Like I look at the thing right now with the Saudi Arabians in Iran. Yeah Saudis kill people They absolutely kill people they finance Isis they financed al-Qaeda And yet they were our allies and they're getting us to go kill the Shiites in Iran Iran hasn't had a war where they went anywhere outside their territory except to stop Iraq when the U.S. was financing Iraq to go to war and gave them the nerve gases and the weapons of mass destruction that they couldn't find after Iraq War One. there were weapons of mass destruction. There was. Oh, definitely. Was. And only two countries would give it to them, the two countries who went to war in round two, the United States and the United Kingdom. Wow.
2: How do you um, compare music today from the 70s and what you grew up with and what you saw your dad doing as, as opposed to how the music business has changed, music videos, the whole, the whole landscape has completely it's a different business, pretty much, isn't it?
1: Okay, so music. before 1920, you never heard it on record. You didn't hear it on radio. The only music you ever heard was live. You would have people sit at home and they play their guitar, or they play piano, you go to your cello lessons. Then all of a sudden we invent radio. Okay, we got radio. What are we gonna do with it? And it was like, let's put music on it. Okay, how does music work? How do we put how do we put the music on the radio? Right. So you need a mic. Well, they didn't have these mics, they didn't have recording studios. So what are you gonna do? Well, you have to mic the room so the music could be played. They played it live, right? That's how country music started. Because it's easy. I gotta sing a songwriter playing guitar, you know? That's how gospel music started working. And then they had the plays, the uh, theatrical performances, and they had songwriters' alleys. They didn't have artists that made careers. They didn't have artists that made albums. And then what happened was, um, in the 40s, they ran out of rubber because there was a rubber problem. You know, and they used to have the 78s, and then they went to the 45s and then the 33s. And the 33s were bigger vinyl, not rubber. Mm -hmm. And the vinyl, you were able to record more. So all of a sudden, you had access where not only you could have six songs, one song on each side, you could have six on a side, and you got 23 minutes on each side, which is a magical number. We have 23 chromosomes, right? Mm. Why do we have 23 chromosomes? Because they didn't give us the 24th. And what's the 24th? The 24th is God when you realize you come from the one God, not the God of religions, the one creator of all, you don't have fear anymore. I've never had fear, ever, because I knew I come from God. Not Christ or Jesus or Allah or whatever, it's all bullshit, you know, forgive my language, but the truth is all those gods came from one God, the one creator of all, it's that simple. That's your 24th chromosome. So anyway, I gave you an analogy going back to the vinyls. So you had 23 minutes of music on A and B, and now you have radio expanding. And they they come back from World War II, but this didn't go on in 46. This started happening in around 1962, 63. So I'm specifically answering your question. You would buy albums, mm-hmm. but the albums used to be a collection of whatever the top pop hits were before that. Like, you know, Motown, right? Mm-hmm. Motown was a white and black record label, you know? And the CIA or whatever game they played in 67, 68 to break up the people, it's like, oh my God, blacks and white are getting together. You know? Blacks and white make green, you know, and it's no, 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 we have to have racial disorder. And it's like, are you kidding me? Kennedy was shot because in 1963 he announced he was not using the Federal Reserve to finance the rebuilding of our communities. He was gonna finance the Federal Reserve on US drawn certificates called silver certificates. You could buy them still. This was in August of 63. He was dead in November. Mm. I mean, you know, and I don't know what Kennedy really was about or not about. The Vietnam War was a Catholic war. You and I, the three of us, the five of us, really are not allowed to know that. What the heck were we fighting the Vietnamese for? To stop communism? If any of us really studied history, you would know the Vietnamese hate the Chinese. (laughs) They've hated them for thousands of years. So why are we fighting them? And why were the French in Vietnam? And why did the French get back Vietnam after they put on German uniforms and fought as Nazis? Why did the U.S. give it back to them? The Vatican. People say to me the Vatican doesn't have that control. Yeah, it does. Julian, the WikiLeaks guy, right? Why was he thrown out of the Ecuadorian embassy? because he had the audacity to release the files of what the Vatican did with the uh, priests that were invading children's lives by raping them. That's raping them. And then telling them if they tattled, they would go to hell. Those people needed to be punished. Mm. But nope, the Vatican moved them around, and no one knew where they went, except Julian Assange, I guess is how you say his name. Julian Assange. Assange. Mm -hmm. He released the data. (laughs) So anyway, now the Vatican goes crazy. If you've noticed, no one took him out of that embassy because he's a hot potato. He mm. broke no law. Didn't they carry him out? In the end, when you know, they, they c- threw
2: him out. No, they carried him out. Like, yeah. carried him out.
1: Like,
0: physically.
2: Come on, <laughs> lads. Get, Get your out. ass out of here. Yeah.
1: You've done enough. But they didn't do that for all those years because no one wanted him out. Here's how they got him out.
2: He was hanging with Pamela Anderson. Like, this guy was like, he, yeah, yeah.
1: he was chilling. He was a playboy. <laughs> he, was he was chilling. The time. He was fucking with the U.S. <laughs> he, he was... Yeah. <laughs> He was having fun. Say something. Yeah. So the Vatican tells Ecuador, throw him out. Let the U.S. suffer with him. And Ecuador's like, well, you know, we're trying to get a loan from the IMF. The IMF is the International Monetary Fund. It's part of the Federal Reserve scam for the One World Banking Order. So the IMF takes countries' monies like Vatican's a country. Mussolini made it like that in 1929. First thing that happened when Italy became a nation in 1870 is they, they nationalized the Vatican. They said, you're not a city-state. You're part of Italy. But when Mussolini started killing blacks in Africa, in Ethiopia, he needed the Vatican's God to say it's okay, so he gave them back their city status. The Vatican goes around collecting money for the church, their church, what church, <laughs> and they give it to the IMF to loan it out. Now, the Saudis, who are not allowed to lend money out, Well, guess what they do? They give the money to the IMF to loan it out. Iran was not part of the IMF, so we hated them, and then they joined the IMF, but they wouldn't give the IMF the money to loan out because they said, that's against our religion, so we still hate them. So anyway, they're going back to Ecuador. They said, we need a loan, and the Vatican said, we'll get you a loan the day after you throw him out, or thereabouts. He got thrown out on a Thursday, and Friday morning, Vatican gave them a loan called the IMF for $4.3 billion. Shut up. F- How much? You, $4.3 billion. You could read what I'm saying to you, but the, my life has always been, okay, I see these dots. What astrological sign are they doing? Right.
0: Hmm. You know, I, I look for the dots. That's what I do. Connect the dots. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, 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 And that's your flow. That's your sport. There it is. <laughs> and honestly, I want to come back to... Um, just for the people out there, for people my age, because, you know, I'm sitting on here and I'm 31. What do you mean your age? Oh, oh, I'm, I, our, our, our age, our age. How um, old are you now? I'm 31. What Good do you feel. you. Thank you so much. That was much. my son's age. Thank you. Um, and actually, speaking of your son, now we can say, We're, this is perfect, speaking of your son, because- I knew that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because one of the things that I have um, struggled with and still struggle with is accepting loss um, in many forms, uh, as we all do. Um, but I lost my brother once again almost two years ago now, and um, it's something that both gives me a lot of joy to now know that there's someone on the other side um, who can help navigate things that I can't on this side, um, but there's still this, like, this deep angst of, like, why? Um, you know, what is um, the purpose behind loss you know, that we find, and that why does God allow this? There's all these questions that we all wrestle with and struggle with, and through consciousness and spirituality, we have a way of dissecting it and understanding it in its most digestible forms. But for you, for someone who has seen so much and um, has done so much in his life, how did losing your son affect you? As far as, like, did it, did it stop your faith at, a, at any point? Did you feel like you lost your a wing? Did you feel chipped at any point? Like, how did it affect you?
1: I don't have faith. I believe in God. Mm-hmm. and You know, and, and I don't believe God sits there and gets involved. Mm-hmm. God gave us free will. And so what they do is they being the society's controlling order, they tell you to have faith that next time we'll be better? It's like, oh, great. So you're going to live in this utopia now while I wait for my next trip to planet Earth? Are you kidding me? You know, I used to, in England, I would run by Sir Thomas More's statue, and he wrote the book Utopia. And I swear I heard him talking to me like, you need to read. And I'm like, okay. And I read Utopia again. I'm going, I got it. Utopia is the Vatican's world in 1580, where everyone served them in the place called Europe, which, by the way, Europe is a Greek goddess, all right? It's the beauty. It's, so what happened was when they escaped Asia Minor, they went to Europe to get the beauty of the mountains and the mm-hmm. forest and whatever, whatever. But the, I just... I I can't believe they live in a utopia. You serve them. They tell you what God wants to hear. But what God, the small G or the big G? You think God talks to them to talk to you? (laughs) So I'm answering you. I knew I had a direct line to God. And, you know, doing it, you have to meditate. And what that really means is get rid of all the noise. Mm. And, and you know, you know what I'm saying. Go to God. God will talk to you. Yogi Nama taught me that. He taught me that in the book. And I'll tell you this story. When I got home after my son died, he died in a rock and roll scene that's, it was mm. horrible. I had a group living in my apartment. The lead singer, Young Lean, decided he's going to play Alistair Crowley. He was worshiping the devil. Mm. And what he did was he started cutting himself. He destroyed my apartment in Miami, threw blood all over the place, and said, the devil's now being brought into the room. And you, Baron Machat, and your father, I'm going to get you. And, he's, and my son flipped out. And it's the only day he never called me in his life. And it was a night, it was Tuesday, April 7th. And um, when I woke up on April 8th, I didn't have a boy. It was horrible, mm. but I only knew to do one thing because we had a record label and it was a successful record label. And a lot of people were involved in the machetes, because whatever I am, I'm a character of truth. I believe, other people may say I'm not truth, but because How could you be so lax? And the next day, I didn't know what to do, so I did what I knew to do. I had the ability to comfort everybody else, and I comforted because they flipped out. I even helped the kid that helped kill my son, and the idiot that gave him the drugs that sat in the car. This guy, I helped them. I made sure, the the artist ended up in a mental institution because he was taking Japanese psychedelics, and they they were high as kites, and he's on the 16th floor throwing stuff off, saying, I'm gonna go fly away. And so anyway, my son ran, he ran with a DJ in the car. The DJ was giving him Xanax, piling him with Xanax, and um, it was horrible. And people in Miami knew he died before the police told me he died, because it was on TV mm. when he died. And I'm in New York, and it was like, oh, I didn't know what to do. The worst call I ever made in my life was to tell his mother he was dead. That was horrible. And what I did was I buried him in Miami, his ashes, you know, and I, I, because I write these books and whatever I am, I am, I told you who he was. And the night I got home afterwards, I broke down, and I started yelling and screaming, fuck you, God, you take my son, fuck you, fuck you. And I said, here I am, I write a book dedicated to you, Sacred Knowledge, your rock and Rollers guide to higher consciousness. And I hear this, and I'm like, and he manifested. You know, because your brother can manifest. Other people see him. It's energy, it's an energy thing, you know? Mm. We hear music in seven notes. You know, you see colors in the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and purple. You know, purple's here, but there's more colors. He mm. got it, I can't seem like some, but I can feel the energy. And he started coming in, and he looks at me, goes, Dad, Dad, God didn't kill me. I'm like, he says to me it was an accident. Dad, everything you wrote in that book that I was making fun of is true. God is love. Love is God. It's the same thing, Dad. And I looked at this energy, and I said, I didn't need you to die to tell me that. And he said to me, listen, pick up your heart, and I will be the spiritual glue that will help you do what I was physically incapable of doing. I wrote these books for him and his generation. I wanted him to be the one that would go sit and do what I'm doing
3: do it mm. Wow um,
2: <coughs> let me ask you this, as far as from what what all the things that we just spoke about, because what I dealt with is uh, I was sent to mental institutions, and
1: you would tell me that that 's horrible horrible, yeah. horrible horrible horrible
2: and trying to trying to gather trying to gather the information because what had happened was I started just to sense things a little bit differently and picking up on things and so I the would, energy. Yeah, yeah, I felt it. And, and it, it, it confused me a bit. And I think there's a lot of kids. I mean, I know that the suicide rate for men under 40 is higher than Huge. AIDS, no. cigarettes, cancer, like car wrecks, everything combined. And I feel it. it's like what you wrote in Spiritual Insomnia. It's like spiritual depression. I feel people, it's not understanding what that, that connection is or having the balance between your soul, the mind, the spirit, and everything kind of coming to a center. A happy you know, um, medium. I'm just saying that for saying it. But ultimately, it, it, it balancing in and, and getting, engaging these, these three mind, body, and soul, and how important it is. And I felt that I think that the alignment of that was m- making me feel a little bit uh, jarbled in my mind because mm-hmm. it was like, it's like almost like something swinging the opposite way. But every time in the middle, every time it crossed in the middle, I'd get this euphoric sensation. And it felt so like amazing to me, but then I'd miss it. So all of a sudden it felt like it started swinging the same way. And I'm like, ah, I got it. I got it. Mm-hmm. And my center and I felt, wait a minute, if I could feel like this all the time, I feel like I found something or I tapped into something. And, and why is some what, people are hiding this? Why is it that I'm at a mental institution where I feel the most amazing I felt and they want to put me on medication? That was a little bit odd to me. Cause I was like, I feel amazing. Now, granted I was saying some crazy <laughs> shit,
0: but maybe you weren't. Exactly, that's exactly. The thing.
2: What, what I saw was what I felt. I was able to see past lives. I was able to see, you know, look, my ex-wife says, you were walking around naked swinging swords. I wasn't swinging swords, but I do collect swords. And I believe that
1: I obviously had swords in the life. A sword, a sword could be a pen.
2: Could, a absolutely. Man, that's exactly, that's very true. Absolutely.
1: That's the cover of my new book, a sword or a pen. You tell me, the pen is mightier than a sword.
2: So is the tongue.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, mean, well, think about
2: it. the way that you're able to say things that, that y- you definitely are a wordsmith. And I think that, you know, having you and um, running for office, doing things like that, they need more people like you that will punch holes in, in, in the norm. Just disrupt the norm. Yeah, because ah! it's, it's, it seems like it's splitting. Doesn't it doesn't feel like something's happening towards like it's splitting at the seams and you could feel it. And if you watch TV, you look at seeing it, it's just this It's a song,
1: King, King Crimson, the walls on which the prophets wrote. Or cracking at the seam mm. behind the instruments of death the sunlight surely gleams you should listen to that song
0: what's it uh, r- r- repeat the name again
1: king crimson yeah, king crimson, yeah. I don't know. Song, and by the way this is the progressive music and my dad got stuck in progressive music in the late 60s and i didn't finish that story so what happened in the 60s they had progressive music because people were communicating and they were making albums as opposed to hit singles. It hits singles, ice cream, it melts. But an album became an oral book in different vibes, because we hear things in waves. So you would go from A to G. Right. And those are your seven things. And the first real albums written, which were not a collection of singles, may have been Rubber Soul by the Beach Boys. No, that's the Beatles. Pet, Pet Sounds by the Beach Boys. And the Rolling Stone album, Santa, G, Santa C's Magical Request, I think was the name of it. All mm. of a sudden, they became songs which taught you to think. Then you have the Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Then all of a sudden, you got the guys before Motown had to eva- evacuate Detroit because it didn't fit our government's desire to keep breaking people down. Marvin Gates, What's Going On? Mm. You're not going to get a better al- album than that. That was an album. And I was blessed with working with Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff. And I always wanted to work for them, right? And then it's 1978, I made the biggest record deal ever with my father, using my father, and my father used me with the Electric Light Orchestra. And I had Kenny Gamble look at me, telling me I can't be the frontman. I go, why can't I be the frontman? He says, because society wants a black frontman at Philadelphia International. And I'm like, Kenny, I said, in the sun, what are you telling me? <laughs> I said, you know, I got so mad at him. And I got even with him many years later. I had an artist named Colonel Abrams who sounded like Teddy Pendergrass. He calls me up. He goes, you know, boy, I'm so proud of you. I said, I'm happy what, What's up? He says, I want to produce Colonel Abrams. I said, Kenny, I can't. He goes, what do you mean you can't? I said, I got a guy from New Zealand producing him. I said, I've always was taught by you that white and black makes green, but you allowed society to sit there and ruin it? I said, no, I'm gonna see how far I can go with Colonel Abrams. I've got a shepherd from New Zealand producing him. I mean, I had more black acts than anyone. And speaking of that, how could the black people sit and allow society to say you're African Americans? If you believe in the theory that they tell us where we all come from, we all come from the guerrilla in Africa, so we're all African-Americans. It's like, it's what crap are they giving you? You know, there's 55 nations in Africa. It's like, what are they telling you? You're American. You're 100% American. But by being, And I told him this when I ran for office, and one guy came up to me. and goes, you have a set of balls. And I'm like, what? <laughs> he says, how could you sit and tell all these people what you just told them? I said, it's true. If you sit there and you become a subcategory of a bigger category, you are not my equal. That's wrong. You're Americans. You need to go out there and tell people you're a full-blooded American. I get like that, and then I get soft. (laughs) I say, you need to wake up. Why would you let someone take your power away?
2: But do you feel that when something like that's done to you, you you want to separate yourself from who they are?
1: It's like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, but think
2: about it, though. Yeah. If you're saying this is an American, I'm being treated like this, I want to be separate from what that is. I don't want to categorize myself as an American and what they're doing. Yeah. So maybe that's why. I think,
0: as the one brother here, I think that is why. Um, no, right? I'm not speaking for all. But for myself, I think that, you know, it's like we don't want to be yoked to or linked with something that uh, has oppressed us. And so we want to go back to the glory days of when we were kings and queens. And so when we do hear that term African-American, it reminds us of the, the, lineage, the lineage that we come from, absolutely. the ancestry that we come from, and how powerful a stance that we have to right. stand upon and build upon. And so...
1: You're the equal. You are. Yeah. And the wasp, the white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, they're our superiors. These animals that come from Queen Victoria, <laughs> she had three... She had many grandchildren, but three of them became king of England, king of Germany, and the king of Russia, mm-hmm. right? They killed 25 million people having a family feud. It's like, are you kidding me? And the Vatican, I showed it to you in my book, I think, one day. In 1455, the Vatican makes a papal bull announcement by Nicholas V that says, you can now go to Africa and buy people, and they will be yours like any cattle. You will own their seeds and their eggs. It's in there, 1455. So now the idiots are like, oh, God, God had the Pope tell us that. God didn't have no Pope tell him that. Small g told him that. This is how they figured they would own and control it, and here's a dot no one's connected. The Vatican used to suck on three things. They wanted frankincense, gold, and mirth. The Vatican would get it by going down the Red Sea into the Indian Ocean, and they would go get it in that part of the world. On well, 1453, Constantinople was taken over by the Ottoman Turks. They couldn't get there anymore. So all of a sudden, now they got, they, they they decide you could go buy blacks from Africa, and they go to a new world. You know, and in my new book, I tell you where those terms come from. It's, you know, it's called The Creation of Earth, The Book of Earth. And then in that chapter, I tell you where it came from. I tell you the books. I tell you where to go read it. They're lying to you. They knew people lived there. They knew their gold was. You know, it's one day I got thrown out of school when I was a kid. <laughs> they said to me, uh, I got thrown out of my class because they said I'm a wise-ass. They told me Balboa named the Pacific, discovered the Pacific. I said, you mean he named it? No, he discovered it. I said, how did he discover it? They said, well, when he got there, he, and I said, no, how did he get there? Well, the natives walked him there. So I said to the teacher, I said, so did that mean the natives were blind and they never saw it? (laughs) And it's like, (laughs) it's like, are you kidding me? He named it, and he named it for who? For the Vatican? Let me ask you
2: something about the Vatican. What do you think is buried underneath that Vatican? What's in there?
1: All the books and records, they burned. It's yeah. all there.
2: Huh. I have a feeling there's a lot of stuff down yeah, there. A lot of bones. Lots of bones. I mean,
1: the books lot. and records, they burnt. And you know where the Vatican got burnt? They never thought those cuneiforms would last in the sands covered with time.
0: <laughs> um, good gracious, so much to cover. Um, now, I would love to once again jump back to something that you said earlier because I mean, you have so much that you've built in your life to your character. Uh, I enjoyed reading your book, God, Gangsters, and Honor, a rock and roll odyssey. Uh, I read it when I was in Palm Springs and it was a beautiful book. Um, but the moment that you mentioned uh, Suge Knight and you going <laughs> into the prison and everything, I just wanted you to tell that story because I think the story is just entertaining. I mean, it's like, how the fuck did you get. Into, into any of these things, but really, how would you I mean, how even meet Suge Knight? Like, what connected you to Suge Knight and Death Row Records? I just want to know that. Well, here's your story, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I grew up in the business, and Dad would bring me to everyone. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and, like, here he comes. So there was a guy named, there were three men. One was a lawyer, and then there were two guys, who one who ran Philly's, Phillips Record label. Which was where the Four Seasons were, Mm -hmm. and they had the Beatles album with "She Loves You," "She Loves Me," "She Loves You," yeah, 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 whatever, whatever. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) I get a call from him. It's 1999, and they created a company called MusicMaker.com. So these guys who are in their 80s, they're lying. What they did is they said you could, we'll make you your own. We own the kiosk. And you can make your own albums, and we'll sell you the singles, and you can make whatever album you want. Basically, the runner for today's playlist. And I'm like, I think his name was Irving. It's in the book, but I haven't thought of him in a while. I (laughs) said, why are you calling me? He says, we want you to get us the rights for Suge Knight. I said, for what? And he says to me, we want to put him up on the internet. I said, to do what? To sell his songs. I said, okay. And they said, all right, and w- we'll pay you and, you know, offer him a million dollars. I'm like, I don't know him. <laughs> and the guy says to me, Stephen, it's never stopped you before. So I sat there thinking about it, and there was a man named Don Arden, who was allegedly a gangster from England. So he saw me on the phone, and I was at his house. And I love this guy. He was the guy that created ELO, and he's the guy that did Ozzy Osbourne. Mm. And those stories are in my book. Like Sharon had nothing to do with the creation of Ozzy Osbourne. But he became her beast for her birth. And he gave for her her, dad. her burns. Was it her dad, right? That was Don Arden. He right. did it all, right? Right, right. So I sat there with him, and he goes, what was that about? I said, they want me to go meet Shug Knight. And he looks at me, and he goes, you can't do that. I go, why can't I do that? <laughs> it's like this was my substitute, guiding light, or whatever. You know, it was someone that I could talk to because my dad was dead. My dad was murdered by his mistress, or put to sleep by his mistress, right? I've been through a lot of crap. I, I, I hear it. You know, and anyway, so I'm like, why can't I go there? He said, Stephen, you know, our gangsterism's one thing. He says, that's violent. I'm a, I'm going. Excuse me, I was a public defender. What do you tell me? He goes, Stephen, I'm just telling you don't. And I'm like, you know what I'm gonna do. It's the same <laughs> thing my father told me before I met you. He told me not to when I met you. So anyway, I called up someone that I knew because we had a record label called Breakaway. And you know, we had Barrington Levy on it and we had Nate Dogg. <laughs> ah, Nate Dogg, baby. <laughs> right, so we had Nate Dogg. So I call him up and I said, I need to meet Suge Knight. They go, why? I said, I could bring him a million dollars. Well, he's in jail. I said, so? They go, well, no, he's in prison, and there is a difference, all right? So prison's now a private enterprise. They sit there and they make you work for them, and if you misbehave, you get extra time. Are you kidding? Ca- this is America. We have more people in prison than anywhere else in the world. Why? What's wrong with our society? And I'm, I'm off point, but I'll come back. Like when I was running for office, you know, the cops said to me, uh, you know, What do you think of the police? I said, I cry for you. They go, why do you cry for us? I said, you're made to enforce unequal laws. You're made to enforce laws that are only applicable to those that can't afford to get off. I cry for you. They go, what do you think of gun control? I said, "I, I have a better question. Why do Americans shoot each other? Exactly. Guns don't shoot you. Who puts the bullets in and who shoots you? I said, there's something wrong with our society, and that's what we need to sit down and discuss it. We live in the greatest country in the world, and we starve people. (laughs) It's like, how could you do this? We sit here, and Obama sits, and he revives the society by putting kids in the for the rest of their lives, where the Federal Reserve gives you bank A the money for a quarter of an interest, and you go give it to a kid, and they can't bankrupt it at 7%. It's like, what kind of genius do you need to be? Three, six and three quarters, you're making up these kids. It's screwed up. So um, going back to the point I was telling you is Shug. like with Shug Knight. There he is.
2: We got him. You got him <laughs> back. Yeah, yeah. We I got, got him, him back.
1: back. So anyway, I just I told Don I'm going. So I got hold of the person that took care of Shug, and he says to me, tell him I want to come meet him. So he says, okay. And then he calls me up. He goes, let's go.
2: Did you realize w- walking into that? Because there's another little Jewish friend of mine, and I, I won't say his name, but he's a pretty happy guy. And, uh, and he, was kid- he, he was kidnapped for a couple days. Yeah, Happy he,
1: Waters, I know him. Oh, that's it. I didn't want to say his <laughs> name. <but a> <laughs> happy.
2: <laughs> hey, Happy. He came out with some cigar, cigar burns.
1: And they put him in the sand up to his head. And yeah, it's yeah.
2: like, he's our kids, my son and his son are best friends. But I've been friends with Happy for 30 years. And when he told me that story, it was like, yeah, because he, he had Cypress Hill, he had House of Pain, and he was just a Jewish dude with too many black acts. <laughs> like, kind of like... Sort of.
1: He, sort what of. he did is he played a different game with them. Right. If you, if you go into the fire, you need to protect yourself from fire. You know, my first real girlfriend on earth, her grandfather was the guy that they modeled the mob after, the godfather. I mean, uh, I knew these people real well. and. It's I sued Morris Levy. It's inside the books. I sued him twice. I sued him to get the new edition free, and I sued him when they were selling bootleg copies of ELO. And I had no problem with him, and everyone's like, how do you have the nerve to sue him? And I'm like, he's a businessman. Well, aren't you scared of what he's going to do? I said, I don't owe him anything. We're competing against each other. He point A, point B. If I borrowed money from him, and then I turned on him, I deserve what I deserve. Yeah. You know? So... Going back to Suge Knight,
2: I, let's go back to Happy with his head up to Sando's to neck or something. You were saying, yeah. Now
1: explain that. He that was wrong behavior, but I believe Happy. <laughs> but I believe. Did Happy, he get a timeout? No, Suge Knight get a timeout. That was out? wrong behavior. No, I don't think he ratted it out to anyone. No, he didn't. No. And, and what happened was he he took something that got him mad. Because yeah, Shug Knight ain't going to come hit you, but if you're part of his tribes or if you're part of what he considers his domain, you know, and it's, you know, Dick Griffey, I, I gave Babyface in L.A. for first gig with Bobby Brown, and Dick Griffey's threatening to kill me, and I'm like, what are you doing, and he says to me, you're stealing my act, I said, I'm not stealing your act, your act blew up, they broke up, they blew up, whatever you want to call it, and he says, I said, I'm hiring them to produce, and they said, and if you were really the man you said you are, you would figure out how to keep them. They're really good singers and songwriters, and they know how to produce. So they produced for me Bobby Brown's first two albums, and those were the albums. When, I'll go back to Suge Knight, so when I went there, you know, it's like I figured he needs to know I'm not like anyone else he met. So I, I'm a diabetic, and I walk around with needles and insulin. Well, I know enough to know that they're not going to let me bring a needle into the jail. I was a public defender. I get it but I didn't care because I needed to have a scene. So I'm going in there with this guy named Reggie. We're gonna go meet Shug. And I get into a fight with the people at the desk. They tell me I can't go in with my insulin. I said, I need to go in with my insulin. You can't bring that in there. I go, why can't I bring it in here? They said, because that's a needle, this and that. I said, then how am I gonna eat with my client? They go like, what? I said, I need to eat with him. I can't eat unless I take an insulin. Then you're sitting here and you're depriving him and myself the opportunity to properly represent him. Hmm. i said i can't eat i can't make them comfortable and they're looking at me i said get the supervisor i have a whole scene out there right and they come down with the supervisor so i make a deal the deal is they would hold my insulin here i would come back out they'd let me go back in and i would take my shot (laughs) right i knew what reggie would do he walks in there and he goes shook this guy's the real deal he said i just saw him fight out there (laughs) and so we sat there and I told Shook I could get him the money and he said, can you get me more? And I said, well, they're going to take, they're going to give me X amount Mm -hmm. and I'm not going to take twice. So I'll give you what the X amount is and you give me my percentage. So I got him $1.5 million. Then it went down to $1 million because Dre started writing letters saying my music can't go. And I got it signed. But in the book, I tell you the truth. And I guess that's what you like. Suge can't sign contracts in prison.
0: Mm. So how
1: do you get a contract signed? Well, it's easy. What's Suge Knight's name? Marion, right? Marion Knight. What was his daddy's name? Marion Knight. Okay. Oh,
2: his dad Sign it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And I told the guys, I said, the Suge you want did not sign it. His father signed it. They said, does his father have the rights? I said, I don't think it will ever be addressed. The answer is yes told me to have him sign it. So they did the deal. And it's, that's the deal with Shug Knight. And then I ended up representing Daz and Corrupt and protecting Snoop from Shug Knight. What I wanted to do with Shug and it bothered me he didn't do it, I thought I would have the power to do something bigger. Mm-hmm. I really thought I'd have the power to open up what I believe to be true, mm-hmm. that we all deserve equal opportunity. So I had Motorola agree to give us Equipment to open up where today's, uh, uh, wherever, where the Lakers and Clippers play, Staples Center. Yeah, We were going to have a Motorola Center where people would teach the uh, community how to um, use the equipment to make it all equal. You know, the library of equipment. And Sony was going to put out Death Row Records because they threw them off Interscope. And why'd they throw them off Interscope? Because they didn't need it anymore. There's no loyalty. You know, and um, Tommy Mottola killed the deal that I was doing with a guy named David Glue. And then when I lost the Sony deal, I lost the Motorola deal, and my heart broke because Suge looked at me, and he goes, man, you're nothing but a dreamer. And I said, yeah, but sometimes if we all dream together, we can make it come true. He goes, "Steven, not yet. So we ended up going out independent again after we left it.
2: As far as Snoop goes when that was happening, because I had a music video company, and just happened to be that the first music video that I ever did, that my company produced, was a Snoop Dogg video. And uh, at the time, I wasn't thinking, uh, the director Gobi says to me, he goes, yeah, there's a hit on, on Snoop, so there's gonna be a lot of dudes around the set. I <laughs> didn't really think anything of it. I, you know, I wasn't ready, you know, yeah, this yeah. was Woodland Hills. They had about 60 crips, I mean, by the time the night, the, the sun dropped, it was, but it stayed very mellow. It stayed very mellow, but that's how I ended up meeting Snoop. I was invited into his uh his trailer <coughs> that was protected probably by fifteen Nation of Islam dudes. You couldn't even get in the trailer at all. And uh they ended up letting me in the trailer, and that's how I, I met Snoop. It was uh, my first music video I ever did. And at the time there was uh some, I don't know if you call hit? it a hit, but they, they called it, they yeah call it a hit. That's, a a hit. A hit. that's, a hit. that's
0: something like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Something like that. Walks yeah. like a duck, quacks like a duck, a duck, it's a duck. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and just, to, just to, um, for the audience, um, you know, I think that when I look at success and um, in the, in, in the ways in which society projects it, it's often, it's very shallow. Big time. Um, and, you know, you're someone that I look at and I look at it and I'm like, you're a success. Um, because you've gone through the murk and the muck of just dealing with life and all the, the both uh, just the trappings of success, um, of the material possessions, everything, because you grew up around that kind of world. And for you to be this guy now, um, I just applaud you. Everything oh, thank you. you. Um, I've always
1: been this guy. People never could figure it out. Yeah, I'll spend money with the greatest of them all. Yeah. I had my trophy wives, you know, but this is so much more than money. I'd rather sit in the wilderness and go stargazing. You know, they call those people cauldrons, right? Mm. That's what Abraham was. He was a stargazer. I could get really spiritual and give you the whole biblical stories that went wrong. But the stars, they spoke to the stars. I'd rather look, okay, what's going on up there? What are you trying to tell me? What does this comet mean or whatever? You know who taught me something? Ray Charles, right? So I did his last album that never came out. I guess the families got into it. So we're in an airplane and I'm not telling tales out of school. So we're in an airplane and we're flying into Newark, right? And I'm in row one, A, B, B, I'm in I'm in the seat on the other side, maybe one E on the window, and he's in two D on the aisle. And he's having a grand old time. And it's like 9:30, 10 o'clock in the morning. He's drinking rum and snorting. And I'm like, I go back to him, and I'm going, like, you can't do this. He goes, why can't I do this? They said, someone, not me, is going to get upset in telling you. And he looked at me. He goes, you know, I feel you. He says, I said, you feel me? He says, I see you. I see you better than other people will. He said, I feel your sincerity. He said, but boy, listen to me. I said, how do you feel me? He says, I feel your vibrations. I don't have to see you. I feel the truth. This is what he told me, a blind man. And he said to me, um, to give you the joke, he says, look, I'm in my 70s. I think he said 72. I don't remember the number. He says, at this stage of the game, I don't care what they do. (laughs) Uh He said, I'm just going to sit here and have a grand old time up here in the sky with God. And he he wouldn't stop. It was funny. But he taught me so much when he said to me, I can't see with my eyes. I can feel you like no one else can he said you can't hide from me that's powerful
0: that is powerful yeah it is. and we can't hide from anyone honestly i mean like the last few weeks i've been like feeling down like what's going on josh why are you feeling down and something you said earlier and something that, that actually is here um just about you know being both physically asleep and spiritually asleep and for me i live in a physical world as far as the work that i do primarily outside of this is physical i teach people how to sweat better um with more mindfulness and
1: that's beautiful, by the way. Thank you. Thank no, you. It I, is. I, and
0: I know you do it. Thank you. Um, and for those that are spiritually asleep, um, which is something that I think Joy and I always discuss spiritual depression, um, which happens because we fall short of what society has set for a standard. When we look into the standard, we're like, that's not us. You know, I think even Eddie Donaldson said this uh, in the first one. He's like, you know, it's kind of like we're always looking at an image of something that will never be. And. Me, I recognize that the image is now within, yeah, and you help me recognize that from your book. Um, but for, for just the audience, um, what are some tools that helped you as far as sharpen your spirit, or what are tools that have helped you in your kind of walk? You know, whether it's Kundalini or do you have a daily meditation practice? Um, what are things that you do to help you stay in that flow? I because talk to God, and
1: how do you do that? Just close your eyes and say, God. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Hello, are you here? Hey, God, i got to talk to you here for a second. got to it for you. In my last chapter of Sacred Knowledge, Mm -hmm. I put in there, I said, how I met God. And I played a song I could see clearly now. Mm. All the clouds have disappeared. Because in that book, it's on iTunes, I have music all over it. Because music, if I push you too far, I'll bring you back to me. Because Mm -hmm. I stay stuff. That society teaches you some mental idiots talking to you. Well, what I learned through my father was how these people create. They talk to higher highest spirit. The word genius, it's Latin. The Vatican hides all the messages in Latin and other languages. And the way they, cha- the way they did their Tower of Babel is they changed the vowels, like A-E-I-O-U in English and A-I-A-E-O-U in Spanish, and there's no I, and they write I, and you're sitting there, I can't say that. well You know, where did the E come from in that word? <laughs> e, right? It's, and then the Ys, they change it with the vowels because the vowels are the song. And it's, it's just so wrong. It's just so wrong. So what you do is, you know, they taught me how they create. So the word genius in Latin, translated back to English, means in touch with spirit. I'm not making that up. <clears throat> You're a genius. You're talking to spirit. Where do you think you get this from? I used to ask all the people when they come in, how did you write that song? You know, and they'd look at me. I'd say, please tell me, where did it come from? I heard it. Where'd you hear it? In my head. All right. And Who's in your head? Because all day I speak to something. Right. Uh, well, you know what I'm saying. No, you I, it. I told you. <laughs> yeah, it's do. Like, and they told me they would get the messages. They would get the messages. I mean,
0: I, I, I look at what I do as almost channeling sometimes when I teach because you do. I recognize exactly this like, four it years ago. <clears throat> I was teaching at a conference called Summit, um, Summit Series. And I remember before the class, I was just bawling, I was just in tears. I'm pure, just, I'm like, just emptying, just letting everything out. And I was wondering, wow, I was like, what's happening to me? I was like, really having a moment of like, 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 I was almost scared for my life. I was like, what's going on? I had to just just, poof, poof, all this emotion. And I had probably one of my most successful classes for myself as far as just getting the feedback and also just giving the love. Um, but the things that I was saying, the things that my mind, the thoughts that my mind was producing were not my thoughts. Um, they
1: were your thoughts. They, well, they were what? given back to you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It,
0: was like, it was like I was empowered to now be the vessel. That talk about being the vessel, I became the vessel. And I think we all have that gift. Like Shaman Dirk, my shaman homie, he always tells us that his job is to equip you with your superpowers because you are a supercomputer. You are a superhuman. Um, we have superpowers. And that's what I think the world wants us not to know. Because if we do, Absolutely. then the world would not be like the world is right now.
1: Would not be under rules. Of not at, no. Look it, not you, at all. Look at if you the most
2: amazing thing, and I've said this and I keep saying it because it is. Keep it. It's true. If the most amazing thing that can happen to a human being, because everyone's running around, right, for the search of happiness, love, mm-hmm. I want the perfect life, and they think it's money, they think it's the things they see on TV, the shoes, all this other <laughs> shit. But ultimately, when you go through an awakening, like my mom asked me, she goes, "What do you think happened to you?" And I, I remember looking up. I'm like, I guess the best way I can explain it. Is I became part of the earth, part of the planet, the air, and I could feel it. And she's like, What do you mean? I go, I can't explain it, but I every human being, the way I feel, the way I feel about everybody. I just it's a lot different than it was last week. Meaning it really did change for me in a matter of like overnight.
1: You lost your ego. You did not edge God out.
2: Ah. You know, whatever. You went back yes. to the bigger
1: ego. Mankind. But you don't
2: know, no, you know, like even uh, speaking about it and it will find you if you don't find it because i wasn't looking for it but it found me you were and ready. it's not prejudiced because look at me I know, and i'm me. the dude like i'm not shaman dirk i'm not a, a turd i don't wear a turban i'm a street guy i grew up on the street but i have a good heart so people look and go wait we know who you are we know the You're shit you the did. we
3: did
2: i'm like i get it but i don't feel that way i feel like i'm really cool with myself and i started to fully i said it before I love myself, and as soon as I did that, as soon as I even said that, I was able to release all that baggage of that, feeling like I was a victim, my, oh, my dad did this, my mom did all these different things that everyone's running around bumping into each other besides Over taking inventory and going, wait a minute, it's who, how I am here, it's what made me who I am. I remember calling my mom and going, thank you. She like, what the, f- thank you, I wanted to thank everybody because I felt I just needed to say those things to appreciate what I had right now today. And at the time I was doing that, I lost or let me say, I was separated from the most important thing in my life, which was my family. But I found something so amazing and I felt, if I could make them understand what I feel I've, I've found inside myself, they'll start to understand that I'm not crazy. But I made myself look so crazy because I wanted them to understand how crazy I was and how excited I was. You start running up and down the streets talking that like,
3: shit. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, <no. laughs>
2: I want to hug people. I want like you know. They're like, "Yo, he's tripping." Am <laughs> tripping. I, I? I mean, maybe a little bit, because you don't know. Now everything starts to change because yeah. all the things that were important to you are less important because you can't take it with you, hmm. and you start to go, "Wait a minute, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is where I'm going, and I can't take it with me. This shit ain't important. This is a fucking joke. You can't uh, look at you give hearst, up your life. For this. A <inaudible> longer tracks, okay? You cannot take it. this shit with you. We think we're we're so thinking we're gonna take every last damn thing, and we're like, wait a second, we're just custodians of this shit here. Yeah. And then we leave, yeah. okay? That's it, we are what we come in here with, even the shell, and then we leave, our spirit goes on to the next.
1: Follow this, ready? So you got the pharaohs. So the pharaohs, I could tell you what they were, but let's just leave it what they tell you. so i <laughs> want you to believe. Right. So they used to take all the possessions of the pharaoh and put it in the tomb. And they tell you it's so the pharaoh could take it to the next dimension. But at the same time, over in the Indus Valley, the Dalai Lama is picked because they take the possessions of the previous Dalai Lama, and he remembers the possessions. And then they could figure out which individual... He was. ...was uh, reincarnated. Now follow this. I start really reading. The pharaohs, they didn't put the possessions there to take to the next place. They put it there so when the pharaoh reincarnated, the pharaoh would remember, I come from here. Mm. Because your possessions have your scent on it. For as long as they're in possession as long as they're in that possession. Even the vibration too though. That's what dogs smell. Right. The smell they they smell the vibrations. Mm. They have better smell than we do. Oh yeah, they do. <clears throat>
0: yeah. I mean our and and it's like I yesterday had a, a dog and a cat just as it's just funny a dog and a cat in the same room and I read up like you know you're not supposed to do that you want to well they said here's what the Google Google said you're supposed to put them in separate rooms you go and you rub the dog fuck and Google. then you go rub the cat I'm you kidding. go rub the cat and then you go rub the dog and they're supposed to get familiar with the scent. and I find that interesting because in the same fashion as uh, as that happens we do it in, 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 in human form as well yeah we create these rooms these barriers for humans to exist in the communities and then we give them one person that can come out and be a leader. And we look at them and be like, well, that's well, we got LeBron James. we got, we got Barack Obama. We're doing all right. And, and I, I call that mass
1: democracy. It is. It is. It's crazy, right? It's crazy. crazy. It's A or B? No, it's not. It's whatever you can imagine can be. Hmm. Not A and B. You know, it's like our country. You're either Republican or Democrat. Excuse me. Why can't I be an American? No. You gotta, and this is why I ran for office, because someone needs to stop that. You're either a Republican or a Democrat. And you, the people, you either vote for us or you don't vote. doesn't matter. And we're going to make it. And I sued when I was running for Senate. I called it political payola. I couldn't get the money to get on the TV. And I'm like, that's not right. Those airwaves are the people's airwaves. And why are we so stupid that we let third parties regulate Administer and then commercialize those airwaves when we're supposed to teach people who's running to represent them and to share different ideas, then which are the same ideas. <laughs> Federal Reserve's going to get the money, so we don't care who the president is. It's it's crazy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is crazy. I mean, I I feel like uh, as as someone who grew up with a father who um, used to spout out a lot of things that I used to look at and be like, man, that. That ain't true. As I've gotten older, I've come to find out as you get into the world on your own, not necessarily on your own, but just on your own, that it is true. A lot of the things that we look into and say, oh, that's conspiracy theory, they're fucking true. Who's theory? it's, it's, It's very true. And a lot of the things that I struggle with is the fact that so many people are okay with just believing the lie and just living the lie. Like every single, I'm like, how can you be okay like last night, I, there was a bunch of homeless people um, just passed out. I don't know what happened. I don't know what was going on. And I watched people just walk over them. Just walk, just walk over them, not check or look or anything. And that same attitude is how we carry our lives as individuals in this country especially. And just in the world as humans. Because we've been based upon what you have, or what you own, what you don't own, what you don't have. And so um, I just enjoy the fact that we can sit as three dudes all come from various backgrounds and various lives, and we can have a conversation of consciousness that is also harmonious. And that's what we're trying to reflect with this. Is if that you communicate, you will, you'll
1: figure out your common ground. Exactly. What it
2: is is just getting a couple normal dudes with a conscious point of view. Yeah. That's all it really is. Dudes and about.
1: duets. That's, exactly. <laughs> duets, yes, exactly. That's it. Thank exactly.
0: You. Duos and duets. Yes. And, and already <laughs> a
1: government separating them? We need women's rights? No, you need people's rights, and exactly. women are people. Why would you sit here and try to start a war of the sexes? And I got at Nancy Pelosi, who didn't want me to be the congressman from the 26th district. She wanted the Democratic Party to place the congresswoman in there. And I'm like, you know, no. They wanted me to obey. They wanted me to not say what I felt. And I told them no. And I realized that's too small a game. I'd rather become the statesman. I'd rather speak to harmony.
3: Did
2: Did you see Nancy Pelosi at Woodstock?
1: Was she at Woodstock now? No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw her. I saw the good Catholic girl sitting there with John Kennedy and her father, who was a, a politician. She marries well. She married apparently two very wealthy cl- uh, dudes or whatever. And now you go to San Francisco. It has the highest homeless rate in the United hey, States. Yeah. And right here is, is Silicon Valley. How do you let that go on? How could you not give them a place to sleep? How could you not give them a reason to be? Don't tell me you can't give people jobs. There's something for everyone to do, and that's what I write in my books. Don't tell me that. Right. And they're like, no, you need to work. And do what? Find a job where I could advertise so I could suck you into buying something you don't need and go home going, aren't that great? I just, I was the low spark of high heel boys. Listen to that song. They can take everything you own, but, but spirit is something... You can never take. And when right. you learn to live with your spirit, they can't control you. And when they can't control you, you may be able to undo the evil that lives inside them. If you reverse evil, E-V-I-L, you live again, L-I-V-E.
2: All right. It's all in the words. Yeah, yeah. It's if you worship a style. god,
1: reverse god. G-O-D, you're a dog. You're a dog of god. That's what Dominican order means, by the way. The dogs of god. Mm. It's crazy <laughs> It is. the answers are in
0: full view they are in full view it's
1: like okay
0: i think i think a lot of people are just scared to lift the veil because uh like i said i think i've mentioned this in the previous interview it's just you, you you realize that all your acts all the things that you've done are futile yeah, what's yeah. happening right now currently and are you happy exactly right are you happy with who you are right now know, not who you're going right? to be not who you were are you happy with who you are right now in the moment and are you healthy yeah and do you, feel, do you feel that having, doing,
2: like, I, I, the reason why I brought up Woodstock is it brings me to conscious festivals and getting as many people, like-minded people together to bring attention to certain causes. And I think that's, you know.
1: That's it, one. One, But yeah. two is get those that are indifferent and while they're enjoying themselves, get them to be not indifferent, but to be participants. Right. The indifferent mm. are the guilty ones. Mm. You know, I got into it with my dean at Vanderbilt Law School as a Buddhist he looks at me and goes, you know, you're a Buddhist. I said, no, I'm not. He says, why are you not? I said, Buddhism is a caste system. They tell you just worry about yourself and nobody else. I said, the most guilty person I've ever met is one that can make a difference and chooses not to make a difference. I said, we're all teammates living in physical form. It's crazy.
2: Yeah.
0: Huh, well.
1: Huh. Yeah, but music, you have the right festival like we're doing. People will open up.
2: That's why I, I feel, you know, for me, seeing, I went to one conscious festival, and, but I didn't know what conscious meant. And to be around um, a lot of these different people that had the same uh, mindset that I found overnight. That, you know, it's like, say, say, finding your tribe, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't mean just because they're conscious, they're, they're shooting above board either. Let <laughs> yeah. me so just get that straight <laughs> in the open, because you're like, okay, they're all telling the truth. Oh, they found people. God. <laughs> And like, no, Which there's as many dicks in, in the conscious community as there is in, in, in you know, the, the, the zombie community, I call it. You know, the guys that are bumping into each other and still cars. trying to figure it out. Bumper cars, exactly. Um, but it's still, you have to have some discernment in, in the conscious community. And, um, but still getting people together to come together to talk about things that they have in common. On the positive note, you know, if you leave all the other negative shit out, that's where I feel that these festivals really do a, a service to people and bringing them together, where you are listening to music, um, opening up your heart center and then bringing attention to these causes. Is that you know, oh, no.
0: yeah. I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. I would just start out there. I go to Burning Man, um, which is something that, uh, if my parents saw me there, they'd probably be like, what, what the fuck's my son doing? Um, but I, I think what I saw at Burning Man, what I see at these festivals is an opportunity. Um, I think that humans are too comfortable being separate. Um, we're too okay with not being okay with each other. We're too okay with stepping past a homeless person, with not looking someone in the eye when we talk to them. We're too okay with not hugging. We're just too okay with being our own shit. Mm. And these festivals allow us to open up into a force field of love that's driven through music. And music is the greatest vibration we have. It's I mean, your heartbeat. It, you know, like that's, that's the beat. And so... I think, like for me, I mean, I was at Burning Man. I was butt naked, running around crazy, and I found such freedom in that experience because, as a black man in America, I'm told that I probably can't do that. In my mind, I've created and the you story that I can't do that, and I believed it. Yeah. And I go there. I'm looking for other brothers. Like, where they at? What are other brothers at so I can hang with them instead of realizing that we're all brothers. You know, just, I think we're always trying to find comfort in our identity instead of realizing that that this is just a fucking. It's just this is just a name. Like, whatever's inside, it's it's just a costume. We're just wearing a costume every day. (laughs) And, I mean, you're a disruptor, as we all are, clearly, because we jumped on this to disrupt um, how things are are, are operating right now. I mean, the system wants us to stay as sheep and stay in line and do the things that everyone does. And go get slaughtered. And then you don't recognize that this shit is, it can be gone like that. Like They want you to do and work for their companies and build their wealth and do these things so that you recognize that, or, or you don't recognize that you have this beautiful life in front of you that you can create anything with. Hmm. Well, listen, guys. Um, before we go on for five or six more hours uh, of content that we have with this beautiful human here, um, we want to bring the show to a close. And I want to ask you one thing, Stephen. Um, and this is something that I want to start asking everybody. If you had one hour left to live, well, let's go 38 minutes. If you had 38 minutes left to live, what would you do?
1: I would just bask in the sun. Society's not going to tell us what to do. Ain't happening. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> that's not happening. That's <laughs> the
2: interesting <laughs> thing, though, is to, to listen to Jossie, to listen to you. And you. To, and to, yeah, exactly. But we're like a I I feel like an, just odd, a bu- group. an odd group. <laughs> but, just, but like a bunch of
1: dudes with yeah. a
2: conscious point of view. That they were so
1: aging and still have the nerve to live like you live in your heart.
0: Yeah, live in your heart. Young
1: at heart. Live Listen to heart. the song.
2: I think once you two, you start having an awakening, you stop to care about what other people think, because that was the first thing that started to go, because I knew that there was something else. So I was like, I do not care what you think. I got this dude, this, this whole yeah. thing going on, to where it's like, I, I don't even have time for that. But before that was the only thing I thought about is what they thought of me, my identity.
0: Man, I, same thing. So this is—I I used to go to church. Okay, I used to be very big into the church because I was dating a Christian girlfriend. She knows who she is. Um, and she got me involved. She got me deep. She got me deep in that world. I was doing prayer calls. I was doing everything I could to to connect to God. <laughs> and it was interesting because when you're in church, a part of your ego is still there. As far as, like, you don't want to stand up and start clapping when you feel it. Because you're worried about it. So, everyone see me stand up and clap? What am I wearing? So, I used to literally, inside, be, like, ready just to jump through the fucking roof and be like, hallelujah, Lord. <laughs> and I would hold it in because I'm like, maybe somebody thinks I'm crazy if I stand up and start clapping my hands for the Lord that we don't see. Maybe, m- maybe they look at me weird. And there was one point in time, it was one Sunday service, and it was probably the most depressed I've ever been in my life. I was 24.
1: Okay, seven years and ago.
0: And I decided to just stop giving a fuck. It was just one service. I was like, you know what? I'm done. I'm not going to care what they say. I'm going to stand up and shout whenever I feel like it. And it became, I had more downloads in that, in, in that service that still serve me today. Um, I got a job after that service that I was looking for. Uh, Georgetown Prep, thank you. Um, and it opened up so much for me just letting my ego die, just move outside, get out the way. And let the spirit inside. Go back to God. Exactly. And that's what what ego home. means.
2: Well, it's all because the, the, the fear of being judged.
0: Being judged, yeah.
2: The fear of being judged will fuck with you so bad because you, you want to please people. You want yeah. them to, to like enjoy you. your identity. You want them to, yeah. to like you. You want to lo- be loved.
1: Yeah. You want to right? yeah. be one of them. Right? You want to be one of them.
2: And so I true. tell people,
1: don't listen to people telling you not to judge. You judge. You know, you have your own personal views. I tell people, don't convict. Right. Never convict anybody because they're no different than you. And if you think you're awake, so can they be too.
2: Right. So true.
0: Well, that is uh, a wrap for today's show. Wait, um, I'm not done. Oh, shit. <laughs> <not> done. Uh, <laughs> a wrap for today's show. Um, I'm just going to express my gratitude for just being a part of this experience, Joey and Steven. Um, no, thank I, you. I'm, I'm honored to continue to share little bit of wisdom that I've gained over the 31 years of my life, and I'm so glad that you got to share it today.
1: Thank um, you, and I'm glad I'm here with the guys. You know, I meant to tell you something. Yeah. The name Joey, right? right? Oh, here we go. There <laughs> was no J in the Latin languages until they needed to give Jesus a first letter, but your name has three vowels. It's all musical. O-E-Y. Think about that.
0: How about my name, Jossie? J-A-C-Y. I, am, am J-A-C-Y, you got two. C- oh, okay. I got three. I know. <laughs> but your name used to be ACY. here.
1: A-C-Y. There was no J.
0: Well, you know what? People go by the books.
1: <laughs> um, you go to my website. <laughs> Stephen. And by the way, I had to put my middle initial because some government official bought the name Stephen Michette. Really? <laughs> yeah. So it's Stephen E. Michette. S-T-E-V-E-N-E machat dot com. That's our website. Say you heard me on this podcast, and I'll autograph the book for you. You can buy it anywhere books are sold. But music is so important, and we should end this show with "Young at Heart." You should just put it on as we segue <laughs> out. And it was sang put by it Frank. It was sang by Frank Sinatra. Let's sing it. How yeah, does yeah. it go? How does it go?
2: You should pull it up. <laughs> he pulled it up.
0: <laughs> We, we have a full,
2: man down. Man, man down.
1: down.
2: He's gonna put it he in pose. Wait, 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 I'll
0: put
1: it on. Okay. Oh here we go. even came with music. Where is Where's Young and Hard at? I'm looking for it.
0: Who's it by again?
1: Frank Sinatra. Oh here we go. Ready? Frank Sinatra. This is to my mom. Ah uh, Listen to these lyrics. If you're young at heart For it's hard, you will find, to be narrow of mind If you're young at heart You can go to extremes with impossible schemes You can
2: laugh when your dreams fall apart at the seams Thank you for joining us
0: and life at the gets Space
2: and Thank you for having me. <laughs> Great having you. Great having you. Thank you, you sir. Stop